Good morning. My goodness, we should try that again. Good morning. What a beautiful Lord's Day it is. A little nippy, but uh, great to see each of you out uh, for worship today. We want to welcome you to East LJ Baptist Church. If you're visiting with us for the first time, welcome. If you're joining us by live stream today, we're glad you're here. Psalm 107 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 57 verse 9 says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. We know the goodness of our Lord because we've seen the goodness of God through the gift of His Son, Jesus through Jesus' perfect life and His sin atoning death and His resurrection, we have come to see the glory of God, the beauty of our Savior, and we here have been captivated by Him. We pray today that you would see Him, that you would see His beauty, be captivated by Him with all of your heart, and join us in our mission, which is to spread our enjoyment of the, of the beauty of Christ with our, in, in, in all the world. I want to give a couple quick thank yous. First of all, thank you to Travis Green for heading up Operation Christmas Child for us this year. Uh, and for all of those who donated and participated, we had an abundance of donations. Uh, everything's covered. Uh, these boxes are packed to the gills, and uh, they'll be going out this week, uh, headed somewhere. We will actually get to know where these go and be able to kind of keep up with where they end up. So we'll hopefully be able to report back to you. also want to thank the communion crew this morning for helping me relocate the boxes and get all this set up. Thank you guys for your service and to the body of Christ today. Would you stand with me as we read from God's Word? This will be our text for the morning, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. I'm reading at this point from the New Living Translation. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful that you have experienced the grace of God through Christ if you do know Him today? Amen? Aren't you thankful we can always rejoice in the Lord? It's not always easy. We'll talk about that later. But we can always rejoice in the Lord because the one thing in our lives that never changes is His love and mercy and grace and power in our lives. And we don't have to worry. Again, that's not always easy. But we can talk to the God who reigns over all things. Amen? Amen. Today, we want to pray for your neighbors, those that we know, our lost friends and family members, co-workers. And we also want to pray for the nations. Uh, this morning, for the Kaibarta people of Bangladesh, there's a little over a quarter million of these people who live in Bangladesh. They, their worship is something of a mix of Hinduism and animism, and there are no known believers among them. We want to pray for the gospel to penetrate this quarter million uh, people of a quarter million and over there in Bangladesh with the gospel. Let's pray together. Father, we rejoice in you. We give thanks to you. And Lord, if we'll stop on any given day at any given moment 
and remember who you are and what you've done, then we will always be able to thank you, to praise you, to lift your name up, to rejoice in you. When we might not be able to rejoice in much else, we can always rejoice in you. Thank you for your grace. And we pray for our neighbors, that you would open their hearts to the gospel, and for our witness, that you would open our mouths with the truth of Jesus. Lord, I pray for the nations, and today we pray for the Kabarda people in Bangladesh, that you would take away the blindness from their eyes, and that you would send those who could get the gospel to them even soon. Lord, today we want to also pray for several who, uh, some who are grieving, others who are sick and need your healing touch. Quite a long list today, God, and our hearts are heavy for all of these. God, we pray for the family of Lois Davis. Uh, Lord, we pray for the, for the family of Donald Sams. We continue to pray, Lord, for Judy Williams. Thank you for a good report and um, small steps for her, big steps for her, really, to, this week. And we thank you for that. We continue to pray for Ray Thompson's healing and Vicki White, Lana Weberg, Larry Colson, uh, as well as uh, Jennifer Colson. We pray for um, Sarandi's sister, Sophia Deerwent, who will have surgery tomorrow. We pray for Nancy Mosher and Jose Manuel, for Carol Davis and Sam Port and Denise Key. We pray for Russ Adamson. Thank you that he's home. And um, thank you, Lord, for uh, answered prayer there. We continue to pray for Ed Schroeder um, and ask for healing there. God, we pray for Scotty Sanford, Nathaniel's dad. He'll have surgery in the, in the, mor uh, in the morning. But he had surgery and is now healing. Uh, thank you, God, that he got to come home the same day and, and that, that that ankle is, um, seems to be doing well. We pray that you just be with him as he's going to be down for quite a while. Pray for strength and grace. We pray for John Hardiman. We pray for Jamie Dotson. And Lord, there are so many others, uh, Lord, that you know and that some that are on our hearts today. Thank you that you are the God of all comfort and that you are the great physician. Lord, we pray that uh, you would answer these prayers for your namesake, that you might be known in our world and around the world as we see your power at work and answer to prayer. Thank you, Father, and thank you for this time to worship you. Prepare our hearts as we worship in song, as we open your word, as we draw near through the Lord's table, and as we worship you in giving. Lord, thank you for the privilege of worship. And I thank you that we are here gathered together to worship the one true and living God and his son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Remain standing as we worship in song. We're glad you joined us. We're going to sing praises this morning and praises of thanksgiving.
good father. Just 
Father, how we thank you for who you are today. You are a good, good Father. Lord, you are holy. You are all-powerful. You are sovereign. You are just and righteous, and yet you... deepest part of your heart are full of grace and mercy and love and not out of need but out of desire wanted to restore a right relationship with a world of sinners and God you sent your son to do just that so that whoever will trust in Jesus whoever will renounce their own righteousness and Ability to reach holy God and confess their sins and look to you and cry out to Jesus for what he's done and trust his perfect work and the power of his resurrection, Lord, you say you will save them and you'll make your enemies your children. And Lord, I thank you that that's what you've done in so many of our lives here today. Father, we pray it's what you would do in Anyone, anyone's life who is here today or joining us via live stream who's yet to trust Christ, that today would be that day. But God, we pray that for us as your people, as your children, you would help us to walk in the fullness of all that you've given us in Jesus, in the peace and the hope that is ours always, in Him. Thank you, Father, for these gifts of your grace. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of prayer that we can just talk to you. We can cry out to you. We can come to you and ask you for the help we need. And even as you indwell us by your Spirit, you hear us and you will answer according to your perfect will, according to what your Word tells us. And Father, how we praise you for this. Lord, may we leave this place today more thankful than ever for the goodness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn with your Bibles this morning to Philippians chapter 4 as we're dismissed to Children's Church. Philippians chapter 4. Well, let me say an early happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Um, it's that time again. It's hard to believe, isn't it, that we are to Thanksgiving of 2022. Uh, what kind of year have you had? 2022 has been kind of a wild ride, hasn't it? Um, from Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the ongoing war there, to the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, where 21 died. To ongoing supply chain issues. To a crazy economy with some ridiculous inflation on every level. To the overturning of Roe v. Wade. To, it seems, ever-increasing year upon year. 
ever-increasing polarization across the nation to the midterm elections. And all that's not to mention your personal losses, family members, friends. It's not to mention the heartaches that we as a church family know about within our own body and the, and the lives of so many, even this morning. Not to mention the struggles that you may be facing because of economic situations and some of the other things that have happened in our world in 2022. And so I just wonder, have you found yourself more anxious this year? Maybe just more afraid. It's Thanksgiving week. But is there really any way, with real peace, that you're going to be able to celebrate Thanksgiving with hearts full of gratitude to God? You see, if such a celebration depends on life being trouble-free and tragedy-free, the nation experiencing political peace, a strong economy where times are always good, then the answer is clearly no. But 2022, and 2022 has once again proven a truth that is our reality every single year. And that's this simple truth. Security and safety in this world is a myth. It's a myth. Security and safety in this world is a myth. And until we get hold of eternal safety in God through faith in Jesus, then we can never know real peace. And it's awful hard to be thankful without that peace, isn't it? I want to talk to you this morning about the peace of thanksgiving. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, the truth that these verses give us today is this. Your heart and mind can be supernaturally guarded by God's peace as you thankfully and prayerfully walk with Jesus. Praise God, you can have an amazing Thanksgiving this year no matter what. It may not be a, a, a time where, because of things going on personally, struggles, heartaches, hurts, disappointments, losses, it may not be a time where you're real giddy and smiley and all of that, but you can have a Thanksgiving full of peace and joy. Your heart and your mind can be supernaturally guarded by God's peace as you thankfully and prayerfully walk with Jesus. Philippians 4, verse 4 from the ESV this time, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, it's promised here. Your heart and mind can be supernaturally guarded by God's peace as you thankfully and prayerfully walk with Jesus. Well, how do we do that? How do we walk with Jesus and enjoy this peace? Several things here from this text. First of all, 
in verse 4 and also the end of verse 6. We must, if we would know this piece of thanksgiving, we must rejoice in the Lord. That was pretty clear, wasn't it, in verse 4? Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And then down in verse 6, thank Him for all He has done. Thanksgiving is a form of rejoicing, is it not? We're thanking God for the things that cause us to rejoice, that bring us joy, the things He's done in our lives. And so today, can we just get our hearts ready for a week of Thanksgiving and and ask ourselves the question, what is it that keeps me from always rejoicing in the Lord or or for being thankful? What is it that I'm allowing in my heart to so affect me that thankfulness and rejoicing in God are lacking? Or what is it that on occasion I allow to come between me and a life of joy in Christ and thanksgiving to God? Really important if you're going to grow, if I'm going to grow in my rejoicing in the Lord, if I'm going to grow in in gratefulness and thankfulness to God, it's really important to identify what are those things that I allow to keep me from that. Because according to Paul, it's possible to always rejoice in the Lord, or he wouldn't have commanded us to do it, right? In fact, he says it twice in the same verse, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. So what is it that keeps us from that? And then, what does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? Matt Boswell says, We are a people plagued with gospel amnesia, and we often forget the riches that we have been given in Christ. What does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? You know, you know what, it ought to be the, what ought to be the case for every one of us that names the name of Christ? Anytime Jesus' name comes up, we know what we can rejoice about. That's what ought to be the deal for us. But we do have that gospel amnesia. We allow what we see and what we experience to affect our heart's memory about all that Jesus has done. God, through Christ, has done for us. And let me tell you, there is wealth untold. We, we, we've not even begin, begun to scratch the surface in our understanding of the grace of God. There is always in Him something to rejoice about. Is there anything about Jesus that makes you thankful? Now, that's kind of a trick question. It's kind of an understated question, isn't it? Is there anything He's done that causes you to truly rejoice? Is there? You say, Chad, you just don't know. You know, somebody really offended me this week. I, I, I've got this going on over here, and 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 and, and, and my family thing. I'm, I'm hurting. One of my family members is 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 ill. I got a child running away from the Lord right now. You don't understand. I don't. I, I can't think about rejoicing in the Lord because I've got out all that going on. Paul would say to you, as he says to all of us, rejoice in the Lord. Be full of joy in the Lord. I say again, rejoice. Not later when everything is like you wanted in your life, but now. Why? Because you can. Because all that God's done for us in Jesus is real and is now. Let me just give you some reminders. 
Philippians 3, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. I'm not going to apply it for you, but some of those things that, 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 may be, that, that may be heavy on your heart, that may be causing you to spiritual distraction, that may be causing you to obsess and, and hurt and, 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 and be upset today, when you hear those words, does it not put a different perspective automatically on all those things? Our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a say, Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to transform our lowly bodies, the bodies of our ill and hurting loved ones. 1 Peter 1, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here's the deal. If I know Jesus and I'm breathing, I've got a reason to hope. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. And if I'm in him, one day I too will rise from the dead. I'll be raised to newness of life. I will be living in a glorified body in the very presence of God. And so no matter what I'm facing, there is reason for hope. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 8. I'm going to read these really fast, and I'm not going to unpack these because there's so much in here. It's a whole sermon in itself. Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. God's given us all he's got to give in Jesus. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, that is Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And by the way, that chapter goes on all the way down through verse 14 to praise the Lord for all that he's done. And the rest of the spiritual blessings God's given us in Christ are listed there. Go back later today and take time to look at that. You see, rejoicing in the Lord always and always being thankful for all that the Lord has done, it should be obviously not a hard thing to do. Based on all these gospel realities we've just run through, it is simply a choice that you and I must make. And you see, that's why Paul didn't think it a strange thing to talk to hurting people at the, at the church at Philippi and say, rejoice in the Lord, be full of joy in the Lord, always, again I say it, rejoice. Because it's possible. Again, you may say it's just plain naive, Chad, to say that when you look at the circumstances of our world. Wrong. That's just wrong. Straight up wrong. Not at all true. Because the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus as your substitute, your Savior, and your reigning sovereign is eternal. It's unlike the current circumstances of our world, of your life, that is passing away. By the way, as Paul writes these words, does anybody know where he happened to be? Sitting in prison. I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many of you have ever sat in prison? Let me just tell you, if you sat in an American prison or county jail, and there were some grins, 
Thank you for identifying yourself without the raise, raising of your hand, and I'll talk to you about that later. We'll, just, we'll see. Get your, get your, get your uh, jail story. But if you sat in an American jail or prison, you have no idea what a Roman prison is like, unless maybe you've traveled to Europe and, 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 and that area of the world, Greece and some of those places, and seen what the Roman prisons look like. Paul's in a bad, bad, bad place when he writes these words. Plus, the people to whom he wrote were facing opposition from gospel-hating people. Paul says in Philippians 3.18, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And the church at Philippi was experiencing that persecution from those who hated Jesus in the name of Christ. Concerning that very situation... Paul has already called them to choose joy. Back in Philippians 3, verse 1, My brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. John Piper captures the truth of the New Testament this way when he says, Christian joy does not die when sorrows abound. Joy and sorrow in the Christian life are not sequential, that is one after the other, but simultaneous. We are called to rejoice always, and yet sorrow breaks like waves over our lives. Christian joy does not die when sorrows abound. Joy and sorrow in the Christian life are simultaneous. Because Jesus lives no matter what we face. Jesus lives, and he lives in us. In 1 Peter 1, verse 6, Peter says, In all this you greatly rejoice. The all this, by the way, you can go back and look in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. All this is gospel truth. Good news about what Jesus has done for us. And, Paul, and, and Peter says, In all of this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Joy and sorrow are simultaneous. In their case, Paul, just a few chapters later, would write to in this, in this same letter, 1 Peter 4, he would say, don't think it's strange when, when, when you fall into various uh, fiery trials, when fiery trials come your way, don't think something strange is happening. It's part of following Jesus. Suffering and trials... That goes with the Christian life. That's, that's the path Jesus lays out for us to walk. But in the middle of all that, while you're in that, greatly rejoice in Him. In fact, Paul, or Peter even says in that, in that place in chapter 4, 1 Peter 4, he says, Go so far as to rejoice that you are suffering, when you're suffering for the name of Jesus, that you're suffering for Him. Because Paul, Peter says, that means the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And just like they persecuted Christ, they'll persecute you. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Again, Paul wrote the letter to, to, to the Philippians from prison. Paul, in another place, lists the many, many things he went through. Let me tell you, he knew what, he knew what it was like to have a bad day. Month, year, year on year. 
shipwrecked, imprisoned, beaten half to death, stoned and left for dead. And yet he says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give all, thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How could he say that? Because he knew, to put it in Peter's words, we, we have a living hope in the middle of all that. We serve a risen and reigning Savior who's actually in control of all the things we're out of control of. We have the hope that Jesus is coming back, which is next. You see, your heart and mind can be supernaturally guarded by God's peace as you thankfully and prayerfully walk with Him. The first step towards that peace is to choose to remember and rejoice in who Jesus is and all that He's done. Secondly, realize the Lord's nearness. Verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to all. The Lord is at hand. The New Living Translation says, let everyone see that you're considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. These are not two detached phrases in verse 5. Letting our reasonableness, some translations have it, your gentleness be known to everyone is not detached from the statement, the Lord is at hand. In fact, the second statement is meant to inspire the action called for in the first. The fact that the Lord is at hand, we'll talk about what that means in a second, is to motivate our obedience to the command, let your reasonableness, your gentleness be known to all. Now, again, in the middle of difficult circumstances, whatever that may be in our lives, sometimes it's hard to be gentle to people, isn't it? Because we've got our own stuff. We're hurting. We're grieving. We're broken. We're being opposed. Whatever it is. And the tendency is for that to affect how I relate to other people. But Paul said, let your gentleness be known to all. The Lord is at hand. He's near. Jesus is near in two senses, isn't he? Next month we'll talk a lot about this. He is close to us. He is Emmanuel. God with us. He lives in us by his indwelling spirit. So first of all, in the middle of whatever, we're not alone. He's, he's here. He's in us. He's with us. Scripture goes so far as to say he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So he's close. But he's also near in the sense of he's coming. He's not any close to us. He's coming to us soon the Lord is at hand. Literally, the, the, the Greek construction here is, is, is a description of, of someone standing just outside the door. He's at hand. He's, he, he, he's gotten right up to the door of our house. And we talked about this last week, interestingly enough, at the church at Laodicea. And, he, and, he, and he's right there, and he's, he's knocking. He, he's, he's, he's ready to open the door on, from eternity into history and step back into history and judge the earth and take his people home. He is at hand. He is coming soon. And, and again, if that's true, it changes everything. It changes our troubles. Doesn't take them away. Doesn't change the fact that we hurt, that we, that we grieve. But it helps us see how temporary they are. They will not last forever. 
And so, in turn, when I remember that the Lord is coming soon, this won't last forever, that allows me to look at you in my pain and deal with you differently. Not lash out at you, not bite your head off because I'm having a terrible day in, in this mess of my life. And sometimes that's exactly true. That's not an overstatement. It's just a mess. You're, you're hurting. But when I remember Jesus is coming, and when he comes, he's going to make it all right. He's going to bring the ultimate healing. He's going to bring peace to our world. He's going to take away all pain. There'll be no crying there in eternity with him. There'll be no tears, no weeping, no sadness. And all of a sudden, that, that's enough to let me be gentle with you. We eagerly await. Do you see that? Is that how you're waiting, by the way? He's close. He's in us. He's coming. We eagerly wait for a Savior from there. That is heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if he's close and coming, then he's in control. Because what that tells me is this. He's going to do what he's planned to do, what he's what he wants to do, what has been his plan since before time began, he's in control too. Doesn't often feel like it, right? I should say often it doesn't feel like it. But he's Lord of all. He's close. He's coming. He's in control. Realize the Lord's nearness and therefore let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Again, we can have peace that allows us to respond with a humble, patient steadfastness, which is able to submit to injustice, disgrace, maltreatment without hatred or malice, trusting in God in spite of it all. This is the way one commentator put it. It's, it's this, it's this rec recollection and realization that Jesus is at hand. He's coming back. He's sovereign. It's what it sustained the, the martyrs throughout church history. It's how they could be faithful to Jesus unto death. Your heart and mind can be supernaturally guarded by God's peace as you thankfully and prayerfully walk with Jesus. And see, when we realize our Savior is coming soon, it, it changes everything. And it moves us to, thirdly this morning, resort to the Lord in prayer. Rejoice in the Lord. Remember that the Lord is near. Resort to the Lord in prayer. Do not be anxious, verse 6, about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The New Living Translation shortens it up a little bit and says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. You see, we default to what? It's not a hard one there, guys. Worry. We default to worry. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25 and 27, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food, and the body 
more than clothes. And he's just described to us in the verses that, that, that precede this, his great love and care for us. Verse 27, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Answer is no. Did you know that 40%, these are just rough numbers. I mean, for some of us, they, they may go up or down. 40% of the things we worry about are circumstances that never even materialize. 30% are past matters about which we can do nothing because they're past. 20% are imagined or feared health problems that aren't true threats. 10% are imagined problems with friends, and yet imaginary stuff is so often allowed to cast us into discouragement. My mother-in-law says 90% of the things you worry about never happen. But we default there. Praise God, there's a remedy for that. You don't, I don't have to worry as much as I do. You don't have to worry as much as you do. You can do something different. And, 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 and let me just ask you, do you, believe that you, do you believe you can grow as a Christian? Do you? Or, or do you just think it's kind of, kind of who you are, you're going to be who you are, you're going to be where you are? Hello? Do you think you can grow? I mean, some of y'all are gray. You're the most mature among you. You've been here a long time. You think you can still grow? Amen. We can all grow. There's a remedy to our worry. Paul says, override your default and pray. Override your default of worry. You've got that power in Christ and through the Holy Spirit. It takes far more energy to worry than it does to pray. And yet we love to spend that energy, don't we? When we could unload our cares onto God, let Him hold what we can't carry. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7, talk to us about the privilege and joy of prayer. You see, the privilege and joy of prayer will give you rest. While the work of worry, how does it leave you every single time? Weary, worn down. You ever spend a good worry session and come out the other side feeling great? Feeling refreshed? Man, I am so glad that I spent the last week just worrying. All, face all scrunched up. Knot in my throat. Chest all tight. I'm so glad that I spent that week in worry. Praise God. You've never said that because it don't work like that. See, the problem is it takes us that week for us to finally get to the place God wanted us at the beginning of the week where we say, I am so exhausted, God. I cannot. I cannot carry this anymore. And you know what we do? We say, Father. But you can start the week that way. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, humble yourselves. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time, cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. There's two things. You and I, if we'll ever pray, have got to come to the place where we confess that we're not God. You understand when I worry, I'm choosing to be God. 
Because I'm saying that whatever this is I'm worried about, I need to deal with and fix. The first thing, if you're going to ever pray, you've got, to, you've got to acknowledge that God's God and you're not. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. And don't say, oh, of course I know God's God. Well, then, then you're worry-free if you actually know that and always practice that, right? But at the heart of worry is my decision to play God and solve the problem. Second thing about God that we've got to deal with here, we've got to believe he wants are good, that he loves us, that that stuff that we're carrying, that we're, that we're hurting about, that we're anxious about, he really wants to help us with. He is, Jason, a good, good father. That's why it says, cast all your anxiety on him because, do you believe it, he cares for you. And you see, he's proven it once for all. You say, Look at the circumstances of my life. It's hard to feel the love of God. Then look to the cross. Look away from your circumstances and go back to the cross because there, with arms outstretched, Jesus said, this is how much I love you. It's proven his love once and for all. We never have to question the love of God for us in Jesus Christ. That's why our text wraps up the way it does. Again, verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then, when you pray and give thanks, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, literally, which surpasses all thought. In other words, it's beyond the logical mind how this works. That's why we said at the beginning, your heart and mind can be guarded how? Supernaturally guarded. That's what Paul's saying here. This peace that comes, it don't make sense. It's beyond your comprehension. It's beyond our ability to reason out. Because our circumstances don't change. Our, 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 our reasons for anxiety don't change. Our pain, our hurt, don't go away. But in the midst of them, we have peace. How? God supernaturally gives us that peace. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Verse 7 from the ESV. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, my heart and mind can be supernaturally guarded by God's peace as I thankfully and prayerfully Walk with Jesus, and so can yours. With thanksgiving, rejoice in the Lord. Realize the Lord's nearness and soon return, and continuously resort to the Lord in prayer about everything. Remember that old song? Have you trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? You should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms, he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. You see, peace is not in our plans or even in our freedom from trouble, freedom from opposition, freedom from suffering. 
Peace is in none of those things. Peace is in God's presence with us and experienced and enjoyed fully as we walk with Him in grateful prayer. And you know, if you've ever, if you've ever tried it, you know it works. You know Philippians 4, 4 through 7 is not some pie in the sky. Just for guys like Paul kind of deal. It's for you. And it works. In John 16, 33, <clears throat> Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Remember the simultaneous thing of joy and sorrow, peace and tribulation? Here it is. That in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus here is not saying one day, in the by and by, one day, when I come and take you to heaven, one day there in glory, you'll have peace. Oh, we'll have peace there. Perfect and everlasting peace. But that's not what Jesus is talking about right here. He's saying as you walk around in this world, just know it. You're going to have tribulation. But here's the deal. You don't walk around alone. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you to the end, Matthew 28, verse 20 says. And as you walk around in this world that will be full of tribulation, period, in me you can have peace. Because here's the deal. I have already overcome the world. Don't look like it today. But there's a day coming when it will be made plain. But it's, listen to me. It's as true today as it will be on the last day. He has already overcome the world. And that's why you and I can have peace. You see, your heart and mind can be supernaturally guarded by God's peace as you thankfully and prayerfully walk with Him. Are you doing that today? We read it earlier. <clears throat> we sang about it. We're fixing to sing about it at the Lord's table. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth to a living hope. Not just peace, not just joy, hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We come now to the Lord's table to give thanks to our Father for the eternal salvation, the everlasting peace, the never-ending security, the living hope that He has freely given us through the costly sacrifice and resurrection <coughs> of His Son. We come this morning asking that He would commune with us and that He would draw us close to Himself by the power of of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27, Paul helps us prepare our hearts for this time of, of, of fellowship with the Lord through the Lord's Supper when he says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord, he warns us here, in an unworthy manner, will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. There's at least a couple things going on in that passage, that word of warning. Paul is saying, when we come to this table, we must come. They were, they were, they were, they were getting together and throwing parties. They were, getting, they were having meals together, getting drunk at the table before they ever celebrated the Lord's Supper, just making a mockery of the whole thing. There was division in the church at Corinth. And so there's a couple of things 
in view here. Paul says, when we come to this table, we're to be sober, we're, we're, we're to be focused, we're to be able with our hearts to feast again on the grace of God given to us through the broken body and shed blood of Jesus that saves us forever. We're to praise Him and, and thank Him and remember He rose from the dead on the third, third day. We worship a living Savior. We're also to discern the body. That is to say, we're to come to this table in unity as a, as a body. We're, we're to not allow division to keep us apart even as we come to the Lord's table. Paul said there at Corinth, some were taking it so lightly, whether that be in terms of heart preparation individually to come to the table or relationally between brothers and sisters in the body. God had judged his people. Many of them were weak and ill. And some had even died. He had taken some home because they failed to repent and get right with brothers and sisters and be right in relation to the Lord, fully appreciating and resting and rejoicing in the Lord and all he's done. So let's prepare our hearts even as the worship team comes in prayer. Father, we praise you that what you've done for us in Christ stands forever. It's eternal. Your grace, it doesn't depend on the latest news. It doesn't change in light of the most recent and awful tragedy, awful though it may be. Our hope in you, our joy in you, our peace in you does not have to disappear in our pain. Oh, Father, help us to heed these words today and to rejoice in you. To pray, to give our our anxieties to you, to throw them on you because we know you care for us. God, save us from ourselves and the sense of how we strive to, to play God. Figure it all out, fix everything, none of which we can figure out or fix. God, help us to be like little children and cry out to you. And Lord, even now as we come to this table, may we come in a manner worthy. Lord, we cannot, we're not worthy of what you've done. That's not what that's about. We can, though, come in a way that shows what you're worth, and that means we can come sincerely and soberly. We can come hearts prepared. We can come depending on nothing else for our standing before Holy God except Jesus' broken body, shed blood, and, and resurrection. And Father, we can come having dealt with whatever may divide us in the family of God. We can come in unity. And so, Father, help us to get to that place. Whatever that means, we need to get up, move around, talk to somebody, fix it, reconcile, settle it, then move us. We just need to sit still for a minute right where we are and prepare our hearts and Acknowledge worry, acknowledge anxiety that we just won't let go of and pray because of our own pride and self-sufficiency. God, then even right now, may that happen in our hearts that we may come ready and in a way that shows your beauty, that honors 
the value of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus that freed us from the penalty of sin and its power and gave us joy, peace, and hope. Come now, we pray. May you be exalted in our hearts and in this room. Through this table, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Paul goes on in, or just before this, in 1 Corinthians 11 and says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. Talking about the gospel, talking about the story of what Jesus has done, and part of that story was this, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. At that last Passover, Jesus celebrated while still here on earth with his disciples. He took that Passover feast and he, and he transformed it into the Lord's Supper, the celebration that we, in an ongoing way, celebrate as Christians today, Christ followers. And he said, here's, 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 here's the picture I want you to remember. This, this broken bread, this, this image of, of broken bread, it's my body. It's a picture of my body being broken on the cross for you. Every time you eat it, remember me. Don't just remember, quick mental recollection, but think about, meditate on. Remember all that the bro my broken body has done for you. Another place Jesus would say, my, my, my body is true food. You've got to feast your heart on my broken body to have salvation. Another place in Hebrews it says that, that his body was torn. It's like the veil was torn. And because of that, we have now an open door into the presence of the living God. He goes on and says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. What was the new covenant? It was the new covenant where it was God doing it all. The old covenant, sin be cursed, obey be blessed. The new covenant, you know what God says? I will take out a heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. I will cause them to walk in my ways. I will keep my word. I will make sure my promises are delivered in the person of my son. Jesus said the new covenant, the gospel of God's grace freely given in Jesus, it's written in my blood. It's written in red. I'm pouring out my life that you can have that covenant relationship where God does all the work of salvation from beginning to end. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread, he says, and drink the cup, Paul commenting here, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So we are fixing to do a sermon in shoes. We're fixing to illustrate for one another by eating and drinking the bread and the cup. We're fixing to say, I believe, this is what I'm going to say to you, is what you're going to say to me. I believe that my only spiritual and everlasting nourishment is the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. And even as I physically eat and drink, no magic in the cracker, no magic in the juice, it's a picture of what's happened and, and, and continues to be the truth in my heart. 
I believe there is no Savior other than Christ. And I believe he's living today. So we're going to witness as we eat this meal together. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, this is a meal for believers. This is a family meal. But hear the message of the gospel. Jesus died for you. His body was broken for you. His blood was shed for you. He was buried and on the third day. In other words, his death was God's satisfaction. All the, all the wrath against your sin, God poured it out on Jesus on the cross where his body was broken and his blood was shed. Jesus paid it all for you, for your sin's penalty. Then he rose from the dead and now he's giving you power over sin. You don't have to keep living in that prison you're living in, prison of sin. He can give you power to change. He can change you. Oh, we never get perfect in this life, but we can grow. We can become more like him. We can become more free from the chains that once bound us. And so as our family takes this meal together, would you, even in these moments of quietness, just as you remain at your seat, if you don't know him today, would you trust him as your Lord and Savior? As the worship team sings and leads us, I'm going to ask you to all stand. Pastor Trey and Julianne are going to lead us off. They're going to just come, and they're going to come to the table here in just a moment. And they're going to take one of these little cups. Let me just give you some simple instructions if you're with us for the first time. There's two layers. That's very important. Get the clear layer first. Make sure you got that one. And on top, you'll be able to get the bread first. If you get the bottom layer first, you're going to have trouble getting the bread, and grape juice is probably going to ruin your clothes. So clear layer first, then get the juice and there's that. Also, if you need a gluten-free option on the bread, the, the front pan right here, front little plate there, has that as well. So I invite you to come to the table. Feast afresh. Trey, come on, at, on the grace of God in Jesus. Amen.
for just a moment. We're just going to remain in silence as the worship team comes and partakes of the Lord's table. And all God's people said, amen and amen. This morning we have come in Chris, Heather, and Hattie Dover. Um, we've enjoyed getting to know them over the last little bit, and they've been through our Stackstones membership classes the last couple weeks. They come this morning to join our church by statement of faith. Um, having been baptized, uh, Hattie here, and Heather and, and Chris uh, in the past, um, in, in a church of like, like faith. So what's the pleasure of the church regarding receiving the Dovers this morning? All right. Is there a second? All right. All in favor, let, let it be known by saying amen. amen. And we love you. We love you in Christ. We're getting to know you and love you personally. And we just praise God for bringing you to us. Appreciate your encouragement, your, your, um, your faithfulness, and, and just uh, good to see uh, you all come. Thank you for the time we got to spend in our membership class, um, and, and getting to know each other there. So we welcome you uh, into the body of Christ. We believe God brought you here because you've got gifts we need, and we believe that we have a ministry that you need as well. And so God, that's how God does in the body, brings us all together so we can serve one another. So that's what we hope uh, to see in, in our lives and your life as well. Amen. Amen. 